What's up, everybody? Today, we take a look at an odd segment of John's Revelation. Uh, this passage we're going to look at today in chapter 10. It, it's, it's an odd passage. And so we see a mighty angel with a little scroll that John is later told to take and eat. So the scroll tastes sweet at first, but becomes bitter to the stomach. This is an interesting passage with a lot of imagery. And I will do my best to make it clear. We will look at this passage's connection also with the book of Daniel, which will give insight to what John sees. We will see how, you know, we will see what happens with Daniel and how it is continued with John and possibly where the little scroll comes from as well. And even what's what could potentially be on it. If you're ready, let's jump in to chapter 10. First, you know, in verse 1, it starts with um, a powerful description of an angel. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like a fiery were like fiery pillars. Okay, let's get this part out of the way. There are three consistent answers given regarding the identity of this angel mentioned here. Some say it's Gabriel. And, and you know, as he is seen multiple times throughout Scripture delivering messages, also he is the angel who revealed some things to Daniel um, regarding the end times and God's judgment, which we will look at in a minute. And we know Gabriel is likely a is likely considered a mighty angel himself, since his name literally means mighty. You know, the next answer you will commonly see is the archangel Michael. We know he is a mighty angel and is the only angel found in scripture that is referred to as an archangel, uh, meaning a chief angel. We also know that he leads the angels of God in the battle against Satan and the fallen angels, uh, which we will read more about in chapter 12. But in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, the unnamed angel that comes to Daniel explains why he was delayed to, in getting to him. You see, Daniel had been praying and fasting you know, for 21 days. But anyway, it says that the prince of Persia delayed him for 21 days or obstructed him from getting to Daniel. This prince of Persia being a fallen angel um, who has control or influence, dominion over the empire of Persia, you know, and just a little side note, this shows that there's spiritual warfare taking place around us all the time that we're unaware of. But this angel is delayed getting to Daniel because of this other angel, uh, this fallen angel that is obstructing him and preventing him. And, you know, Michael, of course, comes to relieve him so that he can get to Daniel because Daniel was praying and, and fasting for God to give him answers about his people, about his nation. So, but the angel tells Daniel that Michael came to his rescue and relieved him so that he could get to Daniel. This angel refers to Michael as one of the chief princes, meaning the archangel, Mike, the archangel Michael must have peers that we don't know about. Also, Michael is given charge over Israel as their guardian. He is referred to as the prince of Israel. It would, uh, it would seem that the nations uh, given over to Satan had fallen angels, you know, in charge of them or charge over them, controlling and influencing them, um, like a prince of evil guarding its territory. Likewise, you know, nations like Israel that served God had their own prince or guardian watching over them, like Michael. 
You know, angels and demons and their involvement in God's plan is fascinating study, but I will move on as it is not the primary focus of this message today. Now, the third answer given for who this angel might be is Jesus himself. This is primarily because of the description given of the angel. The cloud, the rainbow, the face like the sun, legs like pillar, like pillars of fire, etc. The angel demonstrating God's sovereignty over land and sea, essentially the entire earth. But I have two main issues with it being Jesus. One, John refers to him as another, as another mighty angel, implying there are others like him, peers, so to speak. But we know that there is no one like Jesus, and Jesus is not an angel. So he would never be recognized as just another mighty angel. Also, this angel puts his feet down on the land and sea. But scripture says Jesus, when Jesus returns, he will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. You know, that is why during the rapture, Jesus doesn't actually set his feet down. He appears on a cloud as we are called up to meet him in the air. So it is possible that, that this angel is great is Gabriel, but it is also very likely that it is Michael. But again, because it is the angel is not named, it could be um you know, just one of the other unnamed angels, like the one that uh, met with Daniel, that Michael relieved so that he could get to Daniel. It could be like that angel. So, you know, remember, Michael has peers, you know, so it could have been one of those other chief uh, angels. So with all that said, we can conclude that this angel appears in a way that indicates that he comes in with the presence of God around him, you know, with the glory of God, you know, God's grace over him, God's glory radiating from his face and God's judgment and authority where he stands. So he is clearly a mighty angel whom God has given much responsibility and authority. The angel has a little scroll in his hand that is open, and he stands with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea. This indicates he is declaring the sovereignty of God over all the earth. Then this angel gives a loud shout like the roar of a lion, which is another reason why some think that it's Jesus. But it, it, it doesn't mean like the Lion of Judah. So it's just the roar like a lion. So it's loud. And when he does, it says the, the voice of the seven thunders spoke. This is likely referring to the voice of God since it refers to it as the voice of the seven thunders, a singular voice, along with, you know, scripture associating thunder coming from the throne of God when he speaks. Um, not to mention the use of the number seven as in the seven spirits of God. You know, there's many instances of the number seven. And, you know, then something strange happens, though. Okay, so this being the voice of God, you know, as it says, the voice of the seven thunders, um, this being the voice of God that speaks, something strange happens. The voice tells him not to write down what he heard the voice say. So when these, when the voice of God speaks, he apparently says something and reveals something uh, to John. But when John starts to write it down, he tells him, no, don't write it down. You know, don't write it down, seal it up. It, it, apparently it's just for John to know right now. So he, he, he doesn't write it down. And as it goes on, you know, this is the only account where um, John is told not to write something down. But anyway, as the angel straddles the land and sea, declaring God's dominion over all, he swears by the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created all things in the heavens, you know, which 
also uh, means the sky as well, and all things on the earth and sea. So he swears by God that there will be no more delay, referring to the completion of God's judgment and the justice for all those martyred souls. You know, Verse 7 says, There will be no more delay, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So what delay? The, you know, the delay we have you know, been in since the prophets of old were given the prophecies depicting the Great Tribulation. You know, the, the day that uh, the delay, you know, once the age of the Gentiles started, you know, and with a time where the Persian Empire took over and, and that, that day of uh, the Gentiles began, like we've talked about before, from that day on, we've been in that delay. You know, the, it's also the delay that God has allowed so that everyone possible could come to the faith in Jesus before the final uh, judgment came. The delay that we are currently still living in. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not, to, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God has delayed his final judgment, waiting for the full number to come in. But here, the angel tells John that God will delay it no longer. His judgment has arrived. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, causing the seven bowls uh, judgment to be poured out, it will bring an end to the judgment of God uh, on this world and bring to fulfillment the atonement and redemption of Israel and usher in uh, the return of Christ who will establish his kingdom on earth, as God foretold through the prophets long ago. This should also serve as a reminder that we should not put off uh, what we can, what can be done today, nor should we delay in sharing the gospel because time will run out and God will bring his plan to completion. Finally, John is told to go and take the scroll from the angel and eat it. Verse 10, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. There are, there's a couple of points to make here. First, Clearly, he did not eat a scroll. Um, I know a chef or two, but never seen someone who could make a scroll, which is made out back then out of like papyrus. You know, I could never seen anyone who could take a scroll and make it taste like a Sour Patch Kid. So, you know, just in reverse, you know, sweet at first, then sour. Anyways, obviously, this is metaphorical and is meant to symbolize the consumption of God's word. And let me explain. Jesus associated scripture with food as well. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, so what happens here with John is that the scroll contains the word of God, the hope of his promises and the bitterness of his judgment. At first, God would, uh, God's word brings hope and salvation to those who believe the redemption of Israel, the end of evil, you know, as we know it, the promise of reigning with Christ and so much more, you know, which is why John says, you know, it was sweet when he partook of it. But in order to get there, the world and particularly Israel must go through the bitterness of God's judgment. This is also, it also relates to us, should I say, you know, God's word is full of hope, grace, mercy, and love, etc. And that message is sweet to our soul. But God's word also contains his rebuke and judgment and discipline, which can seem bitter to our stomach. As believers, we must partake of the whole word of God, 
that you know that which is sweet and that which is bitter. Likewise, we cannot withhold any part of it from others because we think it might be too bitter. We must speak the truth in love and not hold back that truth because we are afraid it might offend someone or that we might get canceled. It is, you know, it is real easy to read the verses that seem to lift you up and inspire you, but it is tough sometimes when God's word reads you and convicts you or calls you out or corrects you. It can literally taste bitter and be hard to take at first. But we must if we are to fully develop into the person God has created us to be in him. Now, to go back to what I mentioned at the beginning regarding Daniel chapter 12 and how it is tied to Revelation, uh, Daniel 12.1 says, at, the time, uh, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, talking about Israel, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not, has not happened from the beginning of nations until the end. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, which we'll talk more about later, will be delivered. Here, uh, here it mentions Michael, which is another reason why some believe the angel that John sees could be Michael. But Daniel get um, Daniel uh, continues to get insight and revelation into the end times from this from this angel, you know about the end times or the great tribulation. And look at what the angel tells him uh, in Daniel twelve four. It says, but you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Sounds familiar, right? A lot like what uh, John is told. I encourage you to read all of Daniel chapter 12. It is very insightful. Daniel is given a prophecy that he doesn't fully understand. He is told regarding how long before these things will be fulfilled. And he is told that it will be for a time, times and a half a time, which we know refers to three 0.5 years, and specifically to the last three and a half years known as the Great Tribulation. Then the one speaking to Daniel says, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. But look at how the conversation continues. Daniel 12, 8 through 9 says, Daniel says, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? His reply Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Now, Daniel received a revelation or a prophecy that he wrote down, but it did, he didn't understand it and was told to seal it up until the end times. John picks up with the end times where Daniel left off. And John is told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. I believe there is a great possibility that that little scroll that the angel gives to John is the very same scroll that the angel told Daniel to seal up. The scroll containing the outcome of the prophecy he received regarding the end times, but didn't understand at the time. What if that little scroll is that scroll containing the outcome of God's final judgment that was revealed to Daniel? When John partakes of it, it is bittersweet. There is hope, but first the bitterness of uh, judgment must come. And that is why John is told that he must prophesy again. What was sealed by Daniel gets revealed by John. Isn't that fascinating? Man, I, I love this stuff. 
Okay, guys, that is it for chapter 10. But tomorrow we pick up with the two witnesses. And let me tell you, it is good. The two witnesses are awesome and their part in God's plan is intense. Let me tell you, you will love it. Don't miss it. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word and for how it teaches us. I pray that we would not shy away from any part of your word, but would, you know, but would do our best to partake of the whole word, your whole word, and its truth. I pray that we would not withhold any of your word or truth for fear of it being too bitter or that we might offend someone. Give us grace to share the truth of your word with love. I pray that you would convict the hearts of your people if they withhold your truth because of it uh, being offensive or bitter. Bless your people, Lord, and burden our hearts with your purpose and with the mission of your kingdom. Press on our hearts an urgency for the lost, a desire to share the gospel, and a strength to push our brothers and sisters in Christ to grow in their faith and and to hold each other accountable, even if it is bitter to our stomach. I pray that in all that we do, that we do it for your glory. And I pray that we bring you honor and praise. Help us to the point, you know, to point others to you, even when we stumble. Amen.